picture. And, and um, there's, a, there's a lot of places I still would like to hike that I'm going to have to work up to. Um, first of all, uh, I was able to go to the Grand Canyon, and I went during the wrong time of the year. It was in July, which is not a good time to go hiking down the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And so I had to plan to go early in the morning, and, and I went down two-thirds of the way and then had to start making my way back up so I wouldn't die. Uh, from everything, you know, and it was really interesting. But boy, it took a lot of effort. And one of my goals is one day to hike down the bottom camp and then hike up the other side. Um, I mentioned World Magazine uh, for news, uh, the world and everything in it. I'm not trying to sell anything, but it is just a solid place that just reports news and no opinion. And it's a godly thing. And I was listening to it this week, and there was a they were interviewing a family that decided to hike all the major trails in America. And they had to, uh, and homeschool. Can you imagine homeschooling while you're trying to shoot a bear, you know, uh, and, and ward off things? And they were talking about their trips, and the wife said, I totally didn't want to do it. The, the husband wanted to do it. So they went and they, they asked their friends about doing it to get their opinion. She said, my husband was more convincing than me because they all said we should go do all these hikes. And so some of you are like, no, the only hike I make is from the couch to the refrigerator. Um, you know, those kind of things. And I love hiking sticks. I meant to bring uh, the one I was going to use as an example today. It's uh, one that has all the medallions from places that I've been and also is set up to witness with and a lot of memorable things. But this is one of the most memorable. This is not a hiking stick. This is my uh, pastor staff that uh, Jim Quinn, who was a deacon here, when we left to go to seminary, he made this. And he said every shepherd needs a staff. Notice, this is he told me it's made out of the core of the cedar tree. It's beautiful. You could tell it's taken time and love. You know it's not straight. It's crooked. You know, I'm not talking about this part. I'm talking about the imperfections in it. But that's a lot like our lives. And today we're going to talk about how do we walk how do we walk through this life? And I've been reading, obviously, through the Bible and through the New Testament, and guess what? It was really hard for the disciples and the apostles. We think it's getting hard right now, but you start reading through there, and you read Paul's resume, which we're going to look at a, a portion of that today. They were being persecuted. They were being maligned. They were being thrown in jail. And we're not used to that as, quotes, American Christians. But we struggle to walk God's way when we hit opposition. We struggle to walk God's way when people speak against us. But I want to encourage us to walk God's way. That's your action step today. And we're going to, uh, your points will be spelled under the word walk. And we're looking at an account in Acts chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 1 through uh, 14. And like I said, we struggle to walk towards the kingdom in our actions. Do we look like we're kingdom ambassadors, those that us and know Christ? We struggle to talk about the kingdoms. I can't talk about God. But yet everything he tells us is that that's all that needs to be on our lips. The apostles said we cannot stop talking about the wonderful things that we had seen and heard. And we need to point to the kingdom. That's our purpose. That's the only reason we're still here, is to point to the kingdom. And so you have a choice to go, uh, uh, to give up and go around God 
and go your own way. And sometimes when you don't take the right way, you pay for it. I'm glad I talked to somebody on the Grand Canyon thing because, no, you can't go all the way down here. Here's what happens and you're going to die or get stuck down there with no water. Or you go on and go God's way, which is life. And so your action step, keep on walking God's way. And so your first villain, so it makes sense that if you're going to keep walking God's way, you've got to first, your W, walk God's way. And we talk about repentance, but repentance is turn around from the direction that you're going and turn to God's way. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. In your society today, they're going to say there's multiple ways to God, and definitely Jesus is not one of them, if you're going to go according to the Bible. But if you're going to walk God's way, that's the first thing you have to make a decision that I'm going to turn from my way and I'm going to go God's. I'm going to realize I can't save myself. I'm going to realize that he lived a life I couldn't live. He died a death and he was buried and rose from the dead for our sins. And when we accept him to save us and turn from our sins, we begin to walk his way. So we see in this section of scripture three various responses to the gospel. Three, two towns, and then a repercussion. And so we see Paul and Barnabas, regardless, kept walking God's way. So looking at, uh, first of all, we're going to talk about Iconium. It was a big town, and it was an intersection for a bunch of Roman roads. They all intersected in Iconium. So it was kind of like New York City. Everything went through there. And so... That's where Paul and Barnabas were when we see in verse 1 of uh, Acts 14. Now in Iconium they entered together in the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. I want us to understand, I'm trying to help you understand, we always think we've got to go the hard way when we share the gospel. But guess what Paul and Barnabas consistently did? They went to people that had a God base. And they started there that had a familiarity, that they were familiar with, and, and God calls us to go beyond that. But so many times, oh, I've got to go to something I don't understand, and He may call you to do that. But they start with the familiar, and many of those that believed in the God of the Bible, Jews, received Christ as Messiah and Savior, and then those that had no God base also believed. They entered together, they spoke, and where faith comes from hearing and hearing the the word of God. And notice in verse 1 they said, in such a way. I've talked about four study questions when you're studying with people or, or yourself that you need to remember as you study the Bible. What does it say? What does it mean? How would I say it? And what do I need to do with it? That third one, how would I say it, is not how am I going to make it sound. We know that the English language is one of the hardest languages to learn because we keep changing words. And we keep adding words. And we keep messing up words. Uh, like your pastor all the time when he speaks. But what we see here is we have to understand how can I say it in a such a way that they believe and understand the truth the way. Which is Christ. Well, obviously they did. And they believed. And so they spoke the way. They explained about Christ. And this is what we see in VBS. And we're gonna, this is going to kind of amplify and those of you that taught in VBS that's not putting the kids down the kids were lovely but I've said we are three 
maybe four generations past anybody that has a God base. And if they have a God base where they know the God of the Bible, what are, they, what are the gaps in that God base? And what is the misunderstanding in that God base? And you're going to see that Paul is dealing with that here in this section of Scripture. And so we have to, uh, we have to speak in a way that they can understand. And we've got to take time. Look at verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. When you're talking to people, they're learning, they're understanding, they're trying to find the truth, they're trying to find what they can trust. And notice the Jews that didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah and were, were threatened by Paul. The, the unbelievers, they stirred up, they excited the crowd, they poisoned and embittered them, their minds against the brothers and against the Christians. And just because we're walking God's way doesn't mean everybody's going like, to like it. We've got to keep walking. Their response to the opposition, when uh, we see in verse two, 3, they didn't run off. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of, of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. The pastor included, our first inclination is not to run towards conflict. It's either fight or flight. And I want to make sure I'm not, I want to fight the right fight. My, uh, Ephesians 6 says, My struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness. My battle is not against you or against the lost. It's against Satan through Jesus Christ. And so what we see here is they didn't turn. They remained for a long time. Everything in me and my flesh would run. And everything in me right now doesn't want to be bold. But they remained a long time, spoke boldly, which was freely, that translates, for the Lord. If you're, there's a lot of us that are speaking boldly, either through social media or words, and there's a lot of social media bullies and crowds that, boy, if you got them out in the parking lot, they wouldn't speak as boldly. But that goes for Christians, too is that we need to speak boldly, not for our political beliefs. It doesn't mean that we can't take a stand and all those things. But first and foremost, we need to speak boldly for the Lord and for the gospel. Who bore witness. What is that? He bore witness. They testified to the word of His grace. In other words, here's your situation without Christ, and, and Christ has given His life and payment for you, and He has given you grace. You don't deserve it. You deserve hell and eternal punishment. But here's the word of grace. That you can be saved. And in their situation, I still think God can do it today, they were speaking the truth, they were being bold, they stayed on task, and they were performing signs and wonders that affirmed through a lost world that believed in a lot of superstitions that, hey, this is the real deal. And so they witnessed to the word, the word of grace, the gospel, the good news. They spoke the truth. They showed grace. They proved what was tr true through signs and wonders. And it sounds uh, like a, a textbook uh, Bringing someone to Christ from seminary, you know, you're just going to tell it to them, you have an altar call, they come on up, and then they just go through the whole thing. But it wasn't a hallmark ending here. Go on to verses 4 through 7, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. 
When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe and cities of uh, that one and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Imagine that. We've been taught that you present the gospel, everybody's going to like it, they're going to receive it, all that. Maybe not so much, but it really divides. The Jesus that the lost world wants and accepts is the one that accepts everything. But the Jesus of the Bible died so that we can be made right with God and there will be a judgment one day. But his grace of giving his life has paid for that if we accept it. But I want you to be clear, Jesus, the gospel, the true gospel divides. I don't want to divide anybody. But there's got to be a light and a dark. There's got to be a salt. We've got to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so there were two sides to this. And then there was a plan for pain in verses 5 and 6. Again, keep on walking God's way. And notice, sometimes God tells us to stay, and sometimes God says, you need to dust your feet and go on. And so that's exactly what they did. And then uh, they went to Iconium. And we see that in verses uh, 1 through 7. The good news, they, the, the result of that, they spoke up, they stayed at it, and then they shook off their feet when it was time to go. And now the next stop, Lystra. And Lystra was a small town in a valley where two streams converged, and basically it was where military veterans retired from the Roman army. So you got a lot of hardy kind of people. You got a lot of... of uh, it was a small town, so notice Paul always went to the familiar, and we're going to see here, he doesn't go to the synagogue, and you had to have 10 adult Jewish men to go have a synagogue, and obviously there wasn't enough to have a synagogue. So you have a really pagan small town with retired military. Now, I appreciate our military, but I've heard that that's, they're kind of hard people because you have to be. Kind of black and white people, because you have to be. But sounds like a real easy place, huh? Hmm. Let's see. Verse 8. Now, at Lystra, they, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet, and he was crippled from birth and had never walked. Now, last week, I believe, we talked about the man that was born blind and that we're spiritually blind. This is kind of interesting, but we are born spiritually crippled. The man that was born blind had never knew color, he had never seen the sea. He had just heard these sounds. But can you imagine, it's one thing to, to lose the ability to walk, but he was never able to walk. And that is us. We are born into sin. And we are crippled by that sin without Christ. And so we need to understand that. He was crippled from birth just as we are crippled without Christ. Look at verse 9. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, look, looking intently at him and seeing that, he had faith to, seeing that he had faith to be made well. As you read through Acts and you read about Paul, he looks at a lot of people intently. I don't know if I'd want the Paul look, you know, uh, or whatever. But it's kind of interesting. Notice the process. Guys, we're trying to help you share the gospel. Because if you're a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ, this is the only reason you're still here and you should be burnt. Well, Pastor, you talk about that all the time. Let's get real. It's the only reason God has not come. Because He wants all to be saved and none to perish. So you should be increasing in your comfortableness to share the gospel. Notice the first thing He did, He listened. The, the, the Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so, 
uh, Paul was sharing the good news, and this man was listening, and he said Paul looked intently, steadfastly, seriously, earnestly at him. It may not always be the physical look, but this is where a lot of people come to Christ through a long-term conversation, and you need to listen also, and you need to see where they're at, and just not make rash statements or judgments, and help bring them along. And so he was doing this, Paul was looking at his life, and he saw he's getting it. Now, I'm not the judge here as a pastor, you're not the judge as a Christian, but we need to understand, I'm going to give you some steps later in the sermon, we need to understand where people are at. So many times we've been taught, I present this, I ask this question, if they do it, great, sign the dotted line. Life change. Understanding. Aha moment. That moment when you got it. When you understood. That's what Paul was looking for. And he saw that he believed and he followed up that belief by healing him, taking the time to listen, to look at, and to see his belief, the result he was ready. Notice verse 10. He said in a loud voice, stand up right on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Stand up and sprang up and he was healed. And when we really take the time uh, to, to listen we, we can, and to believe, we can experience true healing. Notice the crowd's response. We see that through verses 11 and 13. And when the crowd saw that what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying, in Listonian or whatever you want to say, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of man. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was a chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Okay, how did they get Paul and Barnabas mixed up in this? Let's go back to how the city was started. The city was started off a myth. You can look into it. I didn't write it all down. But basically a couple wanted to help the gods. We're talking about the Roman gods, the Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes. And they did and were generous. And then supposedly two trees that were in the town represented that couple. I know I'm telling you too much. But this town, all the Roman towns and Greek towns had patron gods. And their patron gods were Zeus, the god of gods. And Hermes, which we get, you know, Flash and different things like that, his speed and uh, the messenger, those were their patron gods, the gods of that small town. So I want you to understand what happened here. They see a man getting healed, and suddenly they think their patron gods have come down in the flesh and done that. And so they begin to get ready to sacrifice, and they're speaking in their own language, and Paul and Barnabas are not understanding what's going on. We'll get more into this in a minute. I have ministered in various areas, and, and I've ministered in the real Arkansas everybody teases about, and wow, it was something, and God used us there, and it was a great church. But if you go into an area where you stick out like a sore thumb, you need to understand what's going on in that area. You need to understand their culture. You need to understand what words mean and what terms mean. And I didn't really notice it the first time because we think everything Paul and Barnabas does is just right on. But they missed something here. They missed what was going on. You've got to remember, there was no Jewish base. There was no synagogue. So they didn't know the God of the Bible. And so this was retired military from the Roman army. So a mix of different beliefs 
and most of them based on Greek gods, and the Romans always stole what was good. They never created hardly anything themselves. But the Romans stole the Greek gods and then changed the names so that they were their gods. And so their god base is, I believe in God, but I don't know your God. I am saddened to say that I believe clearly in America today that's where we're at. I've said it before and I'm not teasing, but in Britain, if Jedi is considered a religion, we're in trouble. You have people now that they believe in something or nothing, but let's not assume. And so when we talk about God, there may be a gap between what they know of the God of the Bible and what other things they've let in. Or there may be a misunderstanding. And this is obviously what was going on here. And so what happened was Paul and Barnabas had a, had a choice whether they were going to be glorified themselves or glorify God. Notice verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard it, they tore their clothes and rushed out in the crowd uh, crying out, uh, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And so when they realized, again, they're speaking a language they don't know. But somehow they realized what was going on. You see the temple priest of this pagan thing bringing the sacrifice in. They're starting to figure out, wait a minute, they're not understanding about God. They're not seeing God's glory. And so they tore their clothes as a sign to say, we are not gods. We are just men. They heard and understood and turned the, uh, tore their clothes. They continued to glorify God. They assumed they understood. Uh, they, uh, they assumed that these people had a God base. And your next fill-in, if we're going to walk God's way and lead others to walk God's way, we must strive to assume nothing. I had a good deacon, not in this church. There's good deacons in this church, but I had a good deacon in the church in Arkansas. He decided to just drive me around one day and tell me how the cow eats the cabbage and how things go. And one thing he taught me is what happens when you assume. I'll stop there because most of you know what happens when you assume. And there's been times in ministry, um, uh, some of you have been on a snipe hunt, some of you have not. In youth ministry, we've done a lot of snipe hunts. Uh, Mike's probably, my good friend Mike and Linda's here from our church that we were in in Oklahoma. We've been on some snipe hunts and had a good time. I made the mistake, I think it was a Kuwaita when I was with the children. We were at children's camp and I decided to take them on a snipe hunt. Linda was probably there. And we had kids crying all night. <sighs> Missed that one. <laughs> Thought you wouldn't take it seriously. Sorry I left you out in the woods. Okay, <laughs> whatever. All right. <sighs> I assumed... And I got it wrong. We need to listen. We need to look. We need to go further. But so many times now in the society, we get in our own little social groups. There's a reason we're at church to encourage, to equip, so we can go out. And we, and, and we get in our own little bunkers or bomb shelters, and then we forget that there's a lost world that doesn't get it. And I hope through VBS, as you talk to the kids, you're realizing i got to go back five steps on talking to them about this because they have no base. Paul, I mean, this was getting into be a real bomb here because they're getting ready to sacrifice 
and, 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 and lift up a false god. And notice back on 15. Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. We bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and all that is in it. Okay, first of all, they start with what they're bringing. The good news. That you're separated for eternal punishment from God without Christ, but He has given His sacrifice, and when you accept Him, you can be made right and put in relationship with God. That's good news. The Gospel. Christ's last words, He tells us to go. And then He noticed, you've got to, okay, so now you've given the good news, you need to turn, repent, and worship the one true God. And you need to turn from these vain things, He says, that are devoid of truth, like idolatry. And false teaching. Well, I don't see people worshiping idols, Pastor. Anything that you put your time and your choices before God is an idol. And we got plenty of that going on. And we've got plenty of false teaching. And I think it's rampant in the American church. And I'm not better than anybody else, because, but I'm going to put it on pastors and churches that decide not to go with God's word, regardless of what the repercussions would be. False teaching, the last days. Turn, repent to the living God and enjoy real life. And then he goes in, who made heaven and earth. See, the Greek thought was that there were three realms. That there was the air, that there was the land, and that there was the sea. And so Paul is adjusting, and those of us that have been on mission trips, we hear a term liquid, where you have to adjust on some things to your culture. And so Paul is adjusting, he's not lessening the gospel, but he's using, he's going from that Greek thought to say, God has made all of this. Paul continued to be liquid to learn from his mistakes, and, and he walked on with God. Notice verse 16 and 17, in past generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their way, their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without a witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. This is the question, how can a loving God let people go to hell that know nothing about it? And my statement is, if you're looking for God, you'll find him. The one true God. Well, we're going to look in Scripture a little bit more. And again, the Gospel, God tells us to go. But notice what here. We see in verse 17, He is talking about general revelation. That He said in the past, this is how it was. And again, people of God would be brought to people that are searching for God. But we see that He allowed them to walk their own way. And that yet He did not leave them without a witness. Who created these reigns? Who provided this abundance? Who causes the season? In the past, he allowed, permitted to walk their own way, the highway, the journey, that word says. And he left a witness, this general revelation of nature, the rains, the season. See, everybody's asking the question. Everybody has a worldview, how they base things off of. And that worldview is based on three questions. How did this world come about? Who is the creator of this world? And what is my purpose? Everybody's asking that one way or another, and everybody's answering it one way or another. And they develop a worldview from that. And I talk about a biblical worldview, but I want to help you with that. You don't have to answer those questions. God has answered those questions in His Word. And when you choose to trust God, you go to His Word, and you look at the world through His Word. And so we see here that He's saying in the past, this is what happened. But even God left His testimony in nature 
to point towards Him. A good God providing, satisfying, filling up our hearts to follow, uh, uh, with food and joy. So how can a loving God, Acts 10, verses 34 and 35, explains that. I mentioned this before, but we see here that Peter was, uh, had that vision from heaven, and then it was okay for him to eat barbecue, because the sheet came down, and there were pigs and all these unclean animals that the Jews couldn't go to and eat, and God said, go and eat. And what he was saying is, go to the Gentile, that salvation is for all. And from that, when Peter went to Cornelius, and Cornelius was a Roman centurion, and God spoke to Cornelius, when Peter went to Cornelius, he said in Acts 10, verses 34 and 35, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand God shows no partiality, but in every nation, here we go, if someone's looking for God, they'll find Him. Anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. Fears the one true God follows the one true God. God can use angels. I told you Muslims are dreaming dreams, but God, uh, people that are going to come to them, God's plan is for us to go to Him. But if someone is looking for the one true God, I am convinced by this scripture and by the one before, they will find God. But that's not His plan. His plan is for you to go tell. The angels would love to tell, but He has called us to go tell. And if someone is looking for God, they'll find Him. And the result of their explanation, after Paul said this, this is, we're not gods, you know, we're sinful nature just like you. And here's the result, 18. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifice to Him. They're like, oh, that's nice. That's one of the things we can believe. Let's keep going down this other path. Scarcely restrained, kept on going, didn't end there, went from bad to worse. Look at verse 19. So, so they got this misunderstanding, and now the, the people who didn't like them from the other cities have been saving up, and they come over to this city to make more trouble. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Antioch and Iconium, which interesting about Antioch, that was where they were first called Christians, followers of Christ. They persuaded, this is the unbelieving Jews, persuaded the crowd to believe, and they dragged him out of the city, and they stoned him and left for dead. We've talked about stoning before, it's not getting high, all right, in this circumstance. You throw somebody off a cliff, you take a chunk of the road, and you keep throwing it on them until they're dead. Luke, we don't know if Paul was resurrected. I don't think he was, but I think he was healed by God. I know that for sure. But they used the word supposing that he was dead. They left him for dead. Walking God's way is not always the easy way. I mentioned Voice of the Martyrs. I encourage you to listen to their podcast, to get their magazines, so you can understand our brothers and sisters are suffering for their faith more than any time in history. And you can pray for them. But it's the only way to real life. Look at verse 20. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Not the Kentucky, but Derby. But anyway, here's the deal. You kind of wonder, where's Barnabas? Well, I don't, Barnabas is a good friend, but he may have ran off during this because, I mean, it just got really hairy there. Okay? Can you imagine, though, what happened here? We drug him out of the city. We threw him off a cliff. 
We took big chunks of the road, threw it on him until it covered him up, and he was supposedly dead, and he walks back into town the next day. That cat had nine lives. He's done used them all, okay? But <laughs> that wasn't Paul. That was God. They gathered around and he rose up into the city and went on. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, this one thing I do, forgetting the past and pressing on toward the mark to the high calling of Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. And then Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. That first of all, he pressed on. He looked to the victorious Christ and he looked in faith and walked on. Hebrews 11, verses 13 and 16. Those all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in this earth. For people who speak thus make it clear they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Everything in me, if I was Paul, I would have left a long time ago, and I definitely wouldn't have hung around to get stoned, and I definitely wouldn't have got back up and gone back into the city. That's me in my flesh. But he was looking for a city. What are we looking for? I'm so worried. And your pastor doesn't like it either. I'm so worried I'm going to be misunderstood. Keep talking. Keep walking. Keep going on. I mean, look at this. This is first century Christianity. And yet, somebody says something, or we're afraid. And we just fade into the shadows. Your last feeling. When we walk God's way, we have to look towards this promise and keep on walking. Press on. Look to Christ and His reward. Because the reward is worth it. Look at verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to the city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconia and to Antioch. My goodness, he's like the Energizer bunny or something on the bottom of your shoe. You know, here's the deal. The only way I'm going to do that is I'm more focused on I want what God wants than what I want. That I'm more focused on the power of the Holy Spirit than what I can withstand. Guys, the gospel is just as important now as it was then. He preached the gospel. He made disciples. He uh, restored uh, the places that he returned to the places where he was persecuted, and he continued to evangelize and disciple. Notice verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. You know what? I'd really focus on that verse this week when you chew on this. Strengthening. So he went back and confirmed and established, you are following the way, you are following the truth. He encouraged them, he comforted them, he instructed them, he admonished them, and he, he continued in to remain and hold fast and abide in the faith. Well, that's nice to end there, Pastor, but let us, what the last thing? Through some, no, through many, tribulations, trials, tests. I don't like that last part. 
I'm talking to myself today too, guys. The conversations that we have to have today, if we choose to enter them, the people that we're dealing with, they're lost. And we were lost. And we need to have these conversations, but it's scary. This is why you have to focus on, am I good with God? Am I going His direction? And so here's some, here's some steps to help you keep on walking. Just like if I was going to the Grand Canyon, you know, I have to carry so much water. I have to know where the water refill is. I, need, I had to time myself when I need to stop. I need to start to go back up, understand the temperature. There's a lot of helpful directions you need to do when you go hiking. And so here's some helpful tips when you're walking Don't, uh, and you're dealing and talking in life with people. Don't assume they know about God, the God of the Bible. That's gone. Don't assume at all. If they do, that's cake. But just because they say they believe in the God of the Bible, how many gaps? And what, who's told them? And what have they misunderstood? And you need to make sure you keep anything you say that you go to the Bible and it's just not your opinion. This is why I'm glad we have, I'm not against electronic Bibles, but there's power in the written word. And when you physically can show them that this is what God's Word says and that you're not making it up. And that's what scares me again today. And again, I don't think I'm just hearing from other people and not about me, but that people are hearing a lot of sermons where there's no scripture mentioned. That's not a sermon. I would love to just do really cool talks and make stuff up and just make you feel great. And I want you to feel great. But I was taught that you better back it up with Scripture if you say it. And so this is why you need to have, don't assume that they have any God base. Ask questions. I don't want to ask questions because, Pastor, they say really stuff I don't believe in. It just makes me mad. Ask questions. Go further. Listen carefully for gaps about God, for misinformation. You know, like I said, I was in a conversation I didn't want to be in a few weeks ago, and it's like, you got me here, God. I don't want to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to say really truthful things. I'm going to do it according to your word. I'm probably going to get on, whatever that means. Just do it. Listen carefully. Define your terms carefully. You know, define them. What, what do you mean when you say God lets everyone? Or, I, you know, I was, I was talking with somebody and they said, only God is my judge. They're right. We are not people's judge, but he told us to go tell them they're going to be judged. But I get that a lot. You're not my judge because you told me I'm not okay with God. I'm just delivering the mail. What you do with it is your business. You need to define your terms carefully. You need to follow up to be certain they understand what you said. I get misunderstood a lot, and I know I can ramble. You are today, Pastor, no. But here's the deal. You follow up. You need to ask questions. Do you understand this? And again, guys, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Most people come to Christ through a long-term conversation, and so you may not need to unpack everything right now. I go back to VBS. I love VBS. I think VBS is important. One mistake over the years that's been made in VBS is I totally believe in calling kids to salvation. But there's been a lot of corral call to salvation. They go in a room, and then I deal with youth and adults later that said, I went in a room, we said some words, but I really don't know what happened. I could manipulate kids if I wanted to. 
Was VBS important? Yes. Why? Because the gospel was clearly presented, seeds were planted, and we need to continue to follow up with these families and these kids. And so we need to follow up. And we don't need to, and here, you don't need to under, underestimate the influence of one's worldview. This is why you need to listen to people, you need to talk to people, and you need to find out their history. Because their history affects how they see the world. I was abused, so I see the world this way. I, I wasn't, so I see the world this way. I had a loving parent, so I see the world this way. I had a good family, so I see the world this way. I had a bad family, so I see the world this way. And that is part of how they see the world, but when you go to God's Word, then you really see the world, regardless of what your past is. You need to help them... Don't, under, uh, don't underestimate the influence of the world, their worldview and learn their worldview. I hate this one. I really hate this. But you need to see where people are at. You need to be very careful about it. And I want you to understand, you need to know God's word more than cultural worldviews. Right now, just using an example, I guess I'm gonna, I, I, I know a little bit about it. I've got an idea, but I guess I'm going to have to take a deeper look at CRT. Why? Because it's influencing people's worldview, and I've got to see where the Bible is on that, which I'm pretty sure I know where the Bible is on that. Do I want to look at that? Do I want to listen to that? No. But you have children and, and adults that this is part of their worldview. And we need to understand what the Bible says about that. And the Bible says clearly neither Jew nor Greek, neither man nor woman, we are all loved and worthy to be saved in God's eyes. Everyone has value. All are God's creation. And lastly, you need to keep on walking. So the question I have for you today is if we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, which way are you walking? If you're walking your own way, turn around. Repent. Raise your hands up and ask God to save you. And you can come and we'll help you with that today. Don't uh, do that. Are you assuming some things about your family? Are you assuming some things about your coworkers? Are you assuming you need to look, you need to listen, you need to learn? And some of you have been this, I made mistakes, I ain't even going to try that again. I'm not going to try even talking to people about God again. Well, look at Paul. Energizer bunny, and he did it through Christ. You need to, you need to press on. You need to confess where you gave up. And you need to look to God and you, and you need to cast off anything that's holding you down, whatever fear, and you need to press on. And you need to keep looking towards the kingdom. You need to, at this time of invitation, you need to come. If you need to pray, you need to recommit whatever you need to do. And you need to lay down whatever you're carrying and how you're carrying it. And you need to turn from that other direction and walk God's way. Take up your cross and follow Him. Which way are you walking? How are you walking? And who are you helping walk towards Christ? Lord, I thank You for this day, and I pray however we need to be obedient today that we're obedient. In Your name, Jesus. Amen.